1: Well, welcome to First Move. You've been watching CNN's special coverage ahead of the arrest and arraignment later today of former U.S. President Donald Trump. He's expected to plead not guilty to four criminal charges relating to his efforts to reverse the 2020 presidential election results. The proceedings set to begin about seven hours from now. That's in Washington, D.C. Now from Donald Trump's legal plight to more stock losses in sight, Wall Street's major averages on track for a second down day. This follows Wednesday's sell-off that saw the tech-heavy Nasdaq fall more than 2%. Just for context, that's the worst session since February. European stocks also lower after a weaker Asia handover too. Now, the surprise, US credit rating downgrade from Fitch on Tuesday, proving to be, I think, the perfect excuse to take profits after an incredibly strong run for stocks. Then add to that an announcement from the U.S. Treasury that it's raising its borrowing estimates for this quarter to over a trillion dollars. That was higher than expected. And I think it was like salt in a Fitch-induced wound. The combination helping boost bond yields with the benchmark 10-year Treasury now yielding more than 4.1 percent. Just for context again, that's the highest levels this year. And therefore rising yields only adding to some of the pressure that we saw yesterday on rate. Sensitive tech stocks. Now, we're going to be speaking to Fitch's co head of America's sovereign ratings, Richard Francis, about the timing of its decision to downgrade that credit rating and the message also important that it's looking to deliver that's coming up later on in the show for now there's lots of other market moving news this thursday too the bank of england announcing its 14th straight rate hike a quarter of a percentage points this time around we're also awaiting key earnings from the likes of apple and amazon as well as the u.s jobs report that's out on friday for now though The focus remains on Fitch, also downgrading mortgage giants Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Now, they collectively guarantee around 70% of mortgages in the United States. And long story short, they can do so because they're backed by the U.S. government. Claire Sebastian joins us now. Claire, that was an automatic domino fall, I think, because they piggyback off America's credit rating. So um, that was uh, set to happen as a result. What do you make of what we've seen Over the last 24 hours, there were a lot of reasons, as I mentioned there, for stocks to fall and not all tied to this credit adjustment.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we had a big number for private sector jobs, Julia, mm-hmm. which sort of weakens the argument for the Fed to take a pause, plus that uh, sort of double whammy, as you as you talked about, with the, the Fitch downgrade and then the uh, increased estimate for borrowing from the Treasury for the current quarter, which, of course, isn't nothing. You know, you have higher borrowing and higher borrowing costs. And we already had an estimate uh, six months or so ago that by the middle of the century, the U.S. was going to be paying more uh, on interest payments on its debt than it is on anything else in the federal budget so that may well accelerate that path. In terms of the markets, I think equity markets are reacting to all of that. I think it's worth looking at uh, the uh, 10 year yield again because this is now uh, at a 10 month high and as I said that does push up those borrowing costs and also uh, if we can switch as well to the the dollar because the dollar tends to be fed by those treasury yields and the dollar has been rising. It's roughly now hovering around a four-week high uh, against the euro. But I want to bring in a quote for you from Kit Jukes from Societe Generale on on sort of how to interpret that dollar uh, move. He says Fitch's decision uh, to downgrade the U.S. from AAA to AA plus uh, is dollar Positive. For now, it pushes US yields higher. Uh, and the FX market understands that the actual risk of the US not meeting its obligations is even smaller than the risk of the dollar losing its status as the world's dominant currency. He says the rating will only hurt the dollar if the US tightens fiscal policy enough to alter the path of Fed funds. We know, of course, the IMF has been pushing uh, the US to, to, to tighten fiscal policy. But I think you can see from how the, the debt ceiling debacle uh, went down several months ago that that is going to prove uh, extremely difficult. And just for perspective, Julia, uh, I want to show you the Fitch ratings for all of the G7 countries. The US mm. uh, has now lost the top spot. Germany is the only one left uh, with a I don't know if that's the right <laughs> the right graphic there but maybe we can bring it up Germany's the only one left with that top AAA a rating their debt to GDP ratio is just a little over half of what the US is uh, at about 69 percent the U.S. now is on a par uh, with Canada there so that is uh, something to look at although s- still we should note the double a plus a very solid uh, credit rating still very much investment grade.
1: Yeah, and and there's so many great points in that. But I think the message from Fitch is that America's not acting politically Mm. nor fiscally like a AAA credit rating. But don't forget their superpower, which is the power of the dollar being used around the world. And in a crisis, what do you buy? You don't go to a AAA rated Germany. You go to America. And that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. Claire Sebastian, thank you for that. And Fitch is co-head of America's sovereign ratings. Richard Francis, as I mentioned, will join us later in the show to discuss all of this. In the meantime, more foreign evacuations in Niger. The United States now ordering some of its embassy staff and family members to leave the country in the aftermath of a military coup. The President Biden also calling for the immediate release of the country's president, saying the Nigerian people have the right to choose their leaders. Meanwhile, one of the coup leaders meeting with the junta of neighboring Mali that's backed by Russia's Wagner mercenary group, David McKenzie, joins us now. David, uh, the U.S. State Department actually said that the U.S. Secretary of State spoke to President Vazoum and talked to him about the prospect of promoting um, the the sanctity, I think, of the elected government. How does that square with at least a number of individuals being now pulled from the embassy?
3: Well, I think the critical bit of information there is that the Secretary of State of the U.S. is able to speak to the President at all, and we managed Mm. to get hold of an advisor, former advisor to President Bazoum, who is in regular contact with the democratically elected President of Niger, who has been disposed. He said his morale is determined and optimistic that he has been able to uh, speak to world leaders, including President Biden and the French uh, leadership. And it shows that this isn't over, this story. There's growing pressure from regional bloc ECOWAS, uh, particularly from the Nigerian president and Nigeria, a key trading partner of Niger, uh, to return the president to power, uh, despite the moves by the junta to try and gain support from neighboring military leaderships like in Mali and in Burkina Faso. Uh, the uh, president is with his wife and son according to that advisor under house arrest tellingly more than 100 people uh, close to the president and government officials appear to have also been round up by the junta it's a volatile situation uh, but that pressure is certainly growing julia Mm,
1: certainly david mckenzie thank you now security is tight outside the u.s federal courthouse in washington where former president donald trump will be arrested later today what we'll see and what we may hear next
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome back to First Move in just a few hours time, former President Donald Trump will appear in federal court in Washington where he's facing four charges relating to his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election, including conspiracy to defraud the United States. The indictment is the result of a months-long investigation led by special counsel Jack Smith. Security has been ramped up across the nation's capital and around the courthouse. And that's where we find our Caitlin palance Caitlin, good to have you with us. What can we expect today? Well, we do expect Donald Trump to be here in person for his
4: initial court appearance to face these charges. That's set for four o'clock today, this afternoon on the East Coast. Right now, he's not here. He's not in town yet. Uh, He would be coming in from Bedminster, New Jersey, where he has been, where he stays most of his time these days. And he'll be coming into this courthouse essentially not seen by the public assembled outside. Right now, there's not a huge amount of crowds here. There is a lot of press and there's a lot of security around the building, making sure that these grounds right here in the nation's capital, just a couple blocks away from the Capitol building where that riot took place on January 6th at, uh, after Donald Trump held his rally on the Ellipse, we're very close to where that is, but things are not crazy at this time uh, because there is so much security, there's so much lockdown here. Whenever this er- initial appearance arraignment happened this afternoon at 4 p.m., Donald Trump will be driven into the building and you won't see him walk in like any other criminal defendant coming here. He will be taken into the courthouse, he will be arrested, make sure he's in the system facing his charges, and then he'll be here before a judge. We expect it to be a very short, court appearance, one where he'll be essentially just read his charges or told what he is charged with. Uh, He may not speak at all. There may be people from the special counsel's office, not just the prosecutors on this case, but perhaps the special counsel himself, Jack Smith, who oversaw, signed off on this case against Donald Trump, may be here in person as well. And then the magistrate judge may allow Donald Trump to enter his initial pleading of not guilty, but there are no photos inside a federal courthouse no video inside the federal courthouse. There will be a lot of uh, opportunity for hundreds of observers to watch the proceedings, but all we will get to see of what happens inside the building are gonna be courtroom sketches, and then Trump will be out on his way back to New Jersey, and then this kicks off this case toward trial. That could be quite a long road ahead, but one that will be very intensely argued on both sides with legal arguments about whether the Justice Department is properly charging this case, whether Donald Trump has protections around him under the First Amendment, the Constitution and even the presidency, a lot lined up for the future
1: for this courthouse. Yes, the latest trial. They're stacking up. Caitlin Plants, thank you. And of course, stay with CNN all day for continuing coverage of former President Trump's court appearance, as Caitlin was mentioning there, scheduled for around 4 p.m. Eastern time, around and just under six and a half hours from now. Okay, coming up here after the break, the U.S. borrowing blues. Fitch hoping perhaps its credit rating cut will be a wake-up call to American lawmakers. But will Washington get the message? Richard Francis, one of the executives behind Fitch's decision, joins us next. Welcome back to First Move. U.S. stocks up and running this Thursday. And it is, as anticipated, a lower open across the board with Fitch. U.S. credit ratings downgrade as well as nervousness, I think, ahead of big tech earnings and Friday's U.S. jobs report helping pressure the major averages. The Fitch decision to cut its U.S. credit rating from a pristine AAA to a AA+, still reverberating through global financial markets and helping spark a heated and I might say healthy debate over the unhealthy level of U.S. federal borrowing. Just take a look at these stats and that perhaps explains why Fitch decided America no longer warrants a triple A rating. America's debt ratio as a proportion of its economy size is over two and a half times the average of nations that currently have a triple A rating. Now, the repayments, the interest costs on all this debt as a proportion of the money coming in or revenues is 10 times the size of the average average for other AAA-rated nations. And it's not only Fitch that believes all of this is unsustainable longer term. Democratic U.S. Senator Joe Manchin today calling the U.S. debt crisis a fiscal runaway train. Meanwhile, Washington watcher Greg Valliere, a frequent guest on this show, says more U.S. credit downgrades seem inevitable. Richard Francis joins us now. He's the co-head of America's Sovereign Ratings at Fitch. Richard, welcome to the show. Oh, boy, you've had a week. Um, This decision met with a mix, I think, of anger, derision, ridicule even. Were you prepared for that, you and the team?
5: You know i guess uh no no government likes a downgrade so i guess some of this was not unexpected um kind of the the uh, the statements by the the u.s treasury for example um so you know i i I, and as i said before and you just mentioned that the numbers i think speak for themselves you know this very very high debt level we expected to continue to grow uh high deficits again expected to grow and as you mentioned the interest burden, uh, especially with the higher interest rates and the high level of debt is, is set to grow as well.
1: Would it have been different, and this was certainly pinpointed in the report, if the situation in Washington weren't so toxic, if you fundamentally believed that both sides could come together and say, yep, we're overspending, the debt levels are too high, we can address this. The problem is you don't believe they can, given what we're seeing.
5: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think we've just witnessed the increasing political polarization that's made any kind of compromise difficult. Um, you you look at the way that the debt um, ceiling debate was, was uh, you know, uh, the resolution to it. You know, it, it only marginally reduced the deficits and it kicked the can only to uh, January t- 2025 in terms of when we're going to hit that debt ceiling again. So, you know, it's a kind of a marginal improvement on the fiscal side and, and, you know, just took the can only a year and a half in terms of having that, that debate yet again.
1: I mean, the problem is this decision seemingly is fueling the polarization that you're talking about. You have the hardliners, the conservatives and the Republican Party now saying this is exactly why we need to cut spending. And you've got the Biden administration blaming the Trump administration and their behavior and pinpointing January the 6th as an example. Richard, this report's kind of fueled the polarization that you're concerned about
5: yeah I think I think this just highlights um, our concerns. I mean, the, the fact that everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else just underscores the level of polarization that we have in, in the US right now and the inability to really tackle the underlying uh, fiscal issues.
1: Now, it's not just the government that's criticised you. Big investors have also said that this is a ridiculous thing because it undervalues America's superpowers, which is that the US dollar is the nation's, the world's reserve currency, that the bond market is the biggest. And in a crisis, you don't go to AAA-rated Germany. You buy American debt. Richard, did you give enough credit in this report to the fact that America is the backstop of last resort and people will still buy American debt? In many cases, they have to.
5: Again, I think we recognize the two fundamental strengths of the U.S. One is its large, diversified, and dynamic economy. And second, the the unparalleled uh, reserve, uh, status of the U.S. dollars, the world uh, uh, reserve currency, and the tremendous financing flexibility it gives to the U.S. government. These are key strengths. And part of the reason we have a double A-plus rating at this is because of, of those strengths. Uh, what we're saying is, you know, the debt level has it was under sixty percent in two thousand and seven. Now it's one hundred thirteen percent, and as you mentioned, it's near nearly three times larger than the AAA median. Mm. And add on top of that, these governance issues and the inability to tackle the situation, and we we're we're just saying we don't think these these uh, these factors are, are consistent with the AAA anymore.
1: Yeah, what you're basically saying is if you didn't have the world's reserve currency and the biggest bond market in the world, you wouldn't even have a double A plus rating, correct?
5: Correct. Correct. You'd you'd probably more likely be in the A category without those those strengths.
1: Yeah, you said it. Are you also undervaluing something else, which is the dynamicism of the US economy, the technology, the innovation, the impact that AI is going to have over the next five to 10 years? Because that will surely mean stronger growth. And that's an important part of the ratios that we're talking about here that are inconsistent with a AAA rating. Did that get enough credit?
6: You
5: know, we, we did take this into consideration. Obviously, that the you know that the U.S. could skirt a recession, for example, and and you know, but I, I think in terms of the ratios and the numbers that we're looking at, um, these these are more short-term factors that are not really going to move the needle. Um, even if the U.S. were to grow much stronger than we're expecting, we would still see deficits rising. We would still see debt to GDP rising, um, and we'd still see the interest burden, burden rising. So. Uh, We did take it into consideration. It is a a strength of the U.S., but, you know, again, doesn't move the needle enough to to keep the the rating at AAA.
1: You know, a lot of people at the time of this announcement were sort of scratching their heads and saying, why now? The politics has been crazy. We saw that a few months ago. Um, The debt levels have been higher. The situation's been more uncertain. The entitlement situation and that cliff is not new. Richard, what is the message on that? Is it why not now? You could have done it at any point over the last what five years. You just chose today or yeah. this week.
5: Yeah, I mean, honestly, we we put the the um, the rating on on watch negative um, uh, back in, in, at the height of the the debt ceiling debate. Um, when it was resolved, we put out a, a press statement saying that we're going to uh, you know keep the rate watch negative, and we're going to take our time and take a look at. The underlying situation. So we really wanted to, to make sure that we took into consideration the, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, the impact it would have on the fiscal deficits and on the debt, and also revise our numbers and, and make sure that we, you know, have a, a, you know, a good forecast and also kind of take stock of what just happened with the debt ceiling debate itself and what the resolution means. And I think in all those areas, we, 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 you know, we decide ultimately that it, it the U.S. is no longer AAA, but we took our time and we really had a healthy debate and, and discussion on, on the credit worthiness of the United States.
1: Do you think you could have saved yourselves a lot of aggro by rather than putting it on watch negative there, actually just doing the downgrade and saying, "Look, enough of this," because I think at that point, even the government perhaps would have had um, more understanding than waiting a few months, even for the benefit of doing a more analysis to justify it um, versus doing it this week.
5: I guess there were, at, at the time, there was a kind of a range of possibilities, actually. I mean, we were talking about, you know, a probably minimal uh, risk, but that, that you could actually have a default in the United States. So it's kind of hard to capture, um, you know, just by a one-notch downgrade, that kind of risk. So we wanted, the, I think the watch negative spoke to a range of wh- risks. Um, you know, one is just a one-notch downgrade. One is the possible default of the United States. And one is if you got to the X date, that that might not be consistent with uh, with the triple A. So I I think we were kind of keeping our our options open with that, with the the watch negative, honestly.
1: To your point, be thankful you aren't going down to double A, quite frankly, given the performance at that moment. Be careful agreeing with that. I'm going to thank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Richard? We'll speak soon. Thank you. Richard France is there, the co-head of American sovereign ratings at Fitch. Thank you, sir. All right. Coming up on First Move, the Women's World Cup. Two tight matches with another shocking knockout. Which teams are advancing to the round of 16? Find out after this.
4: The assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events.
0: At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education.
4: Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app.
1: Welcome back to First Move. Another shock exit today at the Women's World Cup. Two-time champions Germany are heading home after they failed to beat South Korea, who also now go home. It means Morocco advanced to the knockout stages in their first World Cup appearance, along with Colombia. Patrick Snell joins us now. Well done to the Moroccan ladies, but what happened with Germany?
6: Uh, Julia, look, you know, (laughs) they're... Just another horrible moment for German (sighs) football, right? You think back to what their men's team did at the Qatar World Cup late last year, going out in the group stages, as they did also at Russia 2018. But this is a real shock for their women's team. They were uh, European championship finalists. Remember, they lost the final at Wembley to England, but they never really recovered from the moment they conceded very early on. Cho Su-hyun for South Korea, putting them ahead after just six minutes. Um, and that was really just what they did not want. They did get back into the game on 42 minutes. Uh, Alexandra Pop with a header for 1-1. At that point, I think we thought they would just go on and get the win. They needed to be sure of advancing to the round of 16. But the chances came and went. And uh, 102 minutes there. This is Sydney Lowman with a shot that just had to go in and it didn't. And you can see the desolation there. At the full-time whistle, Germany, two-time champions of the world, are out of the tournament, and I think their players and their fans alike in utter, utter shock. Now, Germany did not get the win, but in stark contrast, what a moment for Moroccan football once again. They were playing Colombia, and they get the 1-0 win, the only goal of the match coming right at the end of the first half first half stoppage up and Nisa Lamari tucking away the rebound after the initial penalty was saved and look at these scenes here because Morocco emulating the magnificent historic achievements of the men's team at Qatar last year. Well, the men's team made history by going to the semis. Who knows what this Moroccan women's team could do? They also could do that. Incredible. And this is a really great storyline as well. You can see the elation on the faces of those Moroccan players. We now have, Julia, three... African teams for the first time ever getting to the knockout stages of the Women's World Cup. Incredible scenes. And you can see that joy there because they had to wait for a few moments before they knew (laughs) the Germany result. That was that outburst of emotion we just saw there. It's fantastic. And look, who knows? Who knows what might now happen? I'm just checking that Morocco got France next. Nigeria, England and South Africa, Holland Those are all matches that, okay... Maybe you make New England favourites over Nigeria, but look—they have nothing to fear against these big-name opponents. And I do think it's just a wonderful storyline. And here's another great nugget, just to put a bow on it, if I may. We had eight, <laughs> eight tournament debutants at the start of this historic Women's World Cup, which is really living up to the bill- being the billing of the best ever, right in tournament history. We had eight tournament debutants at the start of this World Cup. Seven of them falling by the wayside. It is Morocco playing in their first ever Women's World Cup who are the last team standing and going superbly. What a story. Great yes. storylines everywhere
1: you look, right, at this tournament. We love it. Good luck to the Moroccans. I may I add another bow of my own kind. Go. The South Koreans may have gone home, but I do believe they win the best kit award. That red and pink. I don't know whether you remember, Patrick. Very, yeah, yeah. You weren't expecting that, but I love that kit. Good it, work, it
6: just I, I can't get enough of this Women's World Cup. It's fantastic. <laughs> everything, everything is coming to play. Don't ask me to pick a winner, at least not this week.
1: <laughs> Next week, something yelled at. Yeah, up. go Patrick Snell. Goodbye. Thank you. That's it for the show. Connect the World is up next. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599.